Hello, my love. Welcome to the Goddess Given Truth. This is a place where we take off our masks, we connect to the truth of our hearts, and we say the things that are needed to be most heard by humanity today. And this show is really for big thinkers, passion seekers, and people that aren't willing to settle for anything less than a limitless life. And I am your host, Jess Williams, and I'm a relationship coach and somatic healer. And I'm really, really excited for this episode today because. I brought on one of my best friends and someone that I trust more than anyone in the world. And that's really what she is to me, but to tons of other women, she is a powerful embody-based women's coach, a somatic practitioner, a spiritual mentor. She's really just a self-love maven. And as much as she's very practiced in neuro-coaching and trauma integration, One of the biggest reasons why I brought her onto this show today is because I know she has a treasure chest filled with over 20 years of experience, over 7,000 hours in therapy, working on something that we know as body dysmorphia. And in this episode, we go really deep in all the intricacies as to how body dysmorphia affected her life, her love, her relationships, her career, and how she realized that in the end, it was all about her relationship with herself. She could really try and focus on her career and try and focus on her partners and try and fix everything outside of her, including her body, in order to feel this sense of security and safety. But what's so beautiful is what we conclude in this episode is the relationship to self. So in this relationship, she talks about things that she does day to day that really support her in finding that sense of stability and security and power within her. And we go really deep into our relationship experiences and we even talk about how to somatically heal within our relationships and how to connect to our inner child and really what it looks like to be in relationship with yourself to lead a very empowered and limitless life. So I'm really, really excited. Please stay tuned. Let's dive in. Robin, I'm really, really excited to welcome you here. And this is actually the first interview of this entire show. And I'm really, really excited that I get to do it with you because you are someone who I know just has such a wild and incredible journey of so much wisdom to offer to this world. And every single time, because you're the best friend that I come to if I'm having issues or if I need to cry or if I just need like mother nurturing energy, like you are the woman who's there for me. And every single time I do, I feel like I learn a new thing about you. You're just like, oh yeah, I, I experienced this in this way. And this is what I did. And I'm just like, what? Like you, you're like this wise, gorgeous, youthful willow tree that is just filled (laughs) with so much beautiful energy. And, um, I also feel like your journey, it's so important that we talk about it because you have so much to teach women with Mm -hmm. your journey in body dysmorphia and self-love and relationships Mm -hmm. and just everything that's really helped you come full circle into what you do now is your purpose as a Mm -hmm. teacher and as a coach. So Robin, welcome to the episode. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be having this chat with you and diving into all that. And wow, what an, what an intro. Thank you for, for that. <laughs> Willows well, are my favorite tree. So that's really beautiful. Well, that's your energy, especially with your long, beautiful hair that sways <laughs> in the wind and your roots that just go so deep down into this earth. <laughs> Amazing. Well, yeah, thank you so much. And like we were talking about, we were preparing for this call. Like I could talk about, you know, body image, self-love all day long. There is like so much to get into. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure where, where we should even start. I know it's more conversational, but I guess like, would did you want me to share a little bit about maybe my journey or where, where should we start? Where should we dive in? Where I would dive into love. This <laughs> so I have an icebreaker question okay. and it's what has your heart most fulfilled lately? Like what's your theme mm. of fulfillment these days? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think for me, it's the ability to see the possibilities and the knowing that they are there for me. It's in, in these moments I, you know, in my life is 
is navigating the waves, the ebbs and flows of life. And right now there's this beautiful ebb and flow. I'm going through sort of a death and rebirth in my entrepreneurial journey. And I think what's most fulfilling is that I, through so much of my body image and self-love and healing journey, I've built some of these tools to be able to lean into possibilities and see possibilities and know that life is eternally supporting me. So in these moments of death and rebirth now, as I'm seeing what feels so fulfilling is that I'm like, oh yeah, like those possibilities are there. Even when we feel like we're in darker moments or even when it doesn't feel, even when we we can't find our why or our purpose, or we're feeling like we're going in circles. I feel like I lean in, I sort of relax into that sort of sense of all the possibilities are there and the work is just to be able to get kind of get out of my own way and find them. And that has really been a huge driving force for me and North star for me right now. And has been giving me a lot of fulfillment. It's like the excitement of possibility and how it's always there. Mm, oh my God. And it's, it's so funny. Cause like, as you're talking to me, cause before this episode, I was like, what am I going to make the icebreaker question? And I was like, <laughs> I just really want to know what their North star is. Like, what is their core value? What is the center of their heart? And, and yeah, I just love how that's naturally coming through for you. Yeah. So beautiful. The North star is such a good question. And my North star has been pretty consistent throughout so much of my journey, even in like the darkest nights of the soul is just like, this idea that we are eternally supported by life and that there are these possibilities and we can find our way through. And, and that like determination, that spark, that willingness inside, because the more I'm connected to that spark of myself, the more I'm going to be able to see my way through. So it's like, there is a purpose and like really leaning into, even when I don't see it, there is a purpose, there is possibility. There is, there are all these things here for me. So it really has helped me um, reach in moments where it's been dark and, and then also savor moments that have felt you know, delicious and amazing and and wonderful, which the last three or four years of my life, what's amazing is that it really has felt like that after this journey of really healing and body image and, and healing in self-love in such profound ways. It's crazy because it's like, I had this like 20 year journey of healing. And then it kind of feels like overnight, like life just all started alchemizing and coming together, but it wasn't, it was like this whole journey along the way, but I will say the last few years have been pretty delicious. So the North star in those moments is like savoring this and savoring these, these beautiful moments. Totally. I see that will in you. Like I know your story and I'm, I would love to know in deeper intricacies of it. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you about it in this episode, but something that I recognize within you, that's always been alive is just this will to push through whatever barrier Mm -hmm. gets in your way and like own it and take responsibility and Mm -hmm. love every bit and piece of yourself. If it means becoming the woman that you desire to become and letting the love in that you desire to have and having the partnership that you desire to have. And Mm -hmm. I think it's so inspirational and I'd, I'd love to hear how that showed up in your life before this transition that you're saying you went into yeah. where you feel like, okay, the life is starting to look like the life that we desire now. I'd love yeah. to hear how that will really fit in before that. Yeah. It's interesting because I remember in sort of the early days of being diagnosed with body dysmorphia and having mental health challenges. And so much of the support that I got was about figuring out, well, where do I have agency? Where do I have power? Where can I source empowerment? And that's, I mean, that's a whole big deep pool we could dive into, but one of the realizations I had very early on with through therapy and through support was that the willingness piece is within my control. Like if I can cultivate the willingness and if I can connect to that piece, then that's the drive that can get me through the healing and can get me through that portal to the other side of healing. Because once you have the willingness, even just the willingness to consider, I've said this to people all the time. I say this to clients. I think I've said this too. Is like, can we cultivate a 1% willingness to just consider that everything will be okay? And what that does, and we know now from this like vibrational frequency perspective is just creates this like pocket of possibility. It creates, it changes our vibrational frequency, even when we're in those moments where it's just like, can I be willing to consider that it's even slightly possible that things could get better? And willingness is this really amazing power that we all have from within that 
opens the door to the then us being able to connect to, whoa, holy shit, we are so powerful. There's so much going on within me. I am so connected and eternally supported by life and to nature and to the earth. And I am a part of the whole. And all of this comes from that first, the spark is the willingness to consider. So that was really what happened for me in the beginning of my journey when really accepting like, okay, I'm struggling with these major mental health challenges and trying to make sense of why body dysmorphia was showing up for me and why it was so severe. I, I, I struggled with severe body dysmorphia. So, you know, not just to say, you know, sometimes I had some, some, you know, difficult thoughts about my body. It was an all consuming, very severe um, situation for me, but that, that, that willingness allowed me in, in the beginning to really make sense of it and be like, okay, I see the path. I'm going to keep striving and keep driving towards, you know, a way out of this and, and to find the way. And I will say a segue to kind of something that's very interesting. The next kind of big piece of it was the willingness got me to the place where I, the willingness to consider got me to the place where I was like, well, am I trying to solve the right problem? And I use the word solve and problem here in the context of just trying, you know, finding the aligned way out of this. But I realized that I wasn't actually trying to solve the right problem for so long. I was like trying to heal this body dysmorphia, heal and, and go from not loving myself to loving myself. And that was kind of the biggest part of my journey was actually, this is really about understanding what body dysmorphia is as like this template, as this coping technique, as this like survival identity. And what's, it's not about kind of shifting from not loving myself to loving myself. It was more like, okay, well, what, what is actually the problem that needs to be solved right now? And that was really understanding like the desire for connection and the desire for security and, and sort of some of these early attachment wounds and so what was actually going on. So then I was able to actually start addressing what was actually going on. And funny enough, it really kind of veered so far away from body image and from, from self-love, it really became like, you know, understanding the fundamental mechanisms of who, who I was and how I work and starting to actually get tools and practices in place to really lead myself through. So, but that really does all connect because the willingness to, to push and strive and trust that that spark within me, trust that voice within me got me from the darkest moments in my life all the way through to this like beautiful chapter now where there's still so much I want to grow into and achieve in life. But, um, you know, relationally like married and so happy in this thriving, really functional relationship and just feeling like we've, we've planted roots and life is good now. So it's, um, yeah, I, I think those those two pieces are so important to talk about is like finding that willingness within and also making sure that we're actually talking about what the problem is. And I'm sure we can go into this in this call a little bit more too, but really understanding that like this relationship that we have with our bodies, like what is actually going on? Like, is it, do I have a problem of not loving myself or is there actually something so much deeper? And if I'm focused on solving the right problem, well, then all of a sudden these beautiful doors of possibility open for us. And I start to be able to actually plot a tangible pathway out of these patterns and these loops and these cycles that I'm in. And I, when I actually see it for what it is, it's like this maze becomes clear. And we can like find our way out versus when I was first struggling, it just felt like this big chaotic jumbling mess of just shame and frustration. And I just felt so stuck before I really addressed like what was actually going on. Tell me about what was actually going on, because like mm -hmm. from my experience, like I've experienced body dysmorphia, I've experienced a life where what I was looking at was not what other people were seeing mm -hmm. and experiencing mm -hmm. a lot of discomfort in my body. But with you, it was extremely severe. Like mm -hmm. Robin has been in the hospital for this. Mm -hmm. And um, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like one of your biggest awakening moments was when you were in the hospital and your spine was completely shattered because you had been working out so hard that you just pushed your body to the limits and the universe was like, sit the F down <laughs> and go yeah. inward. Like stop using your will to change the way you look yeah. and use your will to change the way you feel about yourself. I feel like that was a big awakening moment for you. And mm -hmm. I'm totally open to going into that, but I'm, I'm so curious, like there, like everyone's hero's journey, there's like three stages, right? So for example, yeah. like my hero's journey with body dysmorphia is I woke up and realized, okay, if I want to change, then I have to work out every single day and eat less and, and like do all this to love myself, to look better. And then the second stage of my hero's journey was realizing that that's actually such a mess. Like that's yeah. such a bad place to be in. Like the health yeah. industry is actually messed up and it completely 
made me feel very disorganized about who I was. And I wasn't working out from a space of accepting who I am. I was working out from a space of like shaming who I am Mm -hmm. so that I can be better and using shame as motivation. So the second phase of that journey was realizing, oh, okay. Like fitness and health isn't actually like what's wrong with me. What's wrong with me is the fact that I don't feel worthy. And I have all this shame around my body and like this is what I need to heal. And, mm-hmm. and the, the third level of the hero's journey was that like the self-love and yeah. that was really the completion of this journey, which brought me into my purpose. So yeah. I'm so curious for you, for, for people who might be in this space of like such deep willingness and they're trying yeah. to fix and solve and really get out of this space where it, like in those times, it feels like a tire spinning in slippery mud, constantly trying to work because your body will just keep on bringing you back to the same place over and over again, where eventually you end up somewhere kind of like Robin in a hospital bed, right? Because the universe is like, no, you're not learning the lesson. (laughs) Yeah. And I will, I I will say, so I will correct you. It wasn't, it was actually a little bit of a different injury. It was very complicated because I had actually torn the labrum in my left hip socket and herniated discs in my back because I had a twisting injury. So it wasn't so much that my spine was shattered. It was that I had issues along the, the discs and the labrum in my hip it was completely immobilizing and it did come out of the, the, will, what I will say about that injury was it, I was able to be injured to the extent that I was because I had been excessively exercising and I was not taking care of my body. So if I had been strong and in great physical shape, I wouldn't have risk. I wouldn't have gotten that injury from that car accident the way that I did. So it, you're absolutely right. Just, I wanted to just correct in terms oh, of yeah, the, the injury, but, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. In terms of like what happened was the universe just said, enough's enough. Like enough is enough, slow down. And what's so interesting too, along that arc in terms of that hero's journey was I'd had this journey in relationships. So it's like, there's pieces to this puzzle. It's like, I had this body dysmorphia that was a theme for almost 20 years, but I also had these long-term relationships where the patterns and the way of thinking and the shame and all of this and who I was came into those relationships and created so much strain and difficulty, but there was also such beautiful growth and exploration and love because I was so committed to partnership and union. And I knew that I I sort of had this vision from the beginning, like I'm going to have a one in a billion partnership. And this is like a big part of my life is I just knew that this union would be for me. I just knew. So I kept trying to create this in these relationships and of course, bringing in so much dysfunction of, of body dysmorphia and these patterns and replaying these early attachment patterns. So it was this, there's these complex layers because it wasn't just a journey with self-love and body image. It was a journey of self-love and body image while trying to create epic union, epic partnership and, and conscious relationship, because I actually got into this concept of conscious relationship really early because of the people that I met were already in this space. So even in like 2003, 2004, I would have described the word conscious relationship and union would have been absolutely what we would have described. We were trying to create in our relationship. So along that journey, there was so many layers that got me to the point where eventually after a relationship that I was in ended really, really sort of um, v- from a very difficult and dramatic perspective. And then I had this injury happening at the same time. This was in 2014, where it was just finally like the universe was like, enough is enough. Like I was broken completely, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, completely broken because I really had to get to a point where I just wasn't listening. There had been so many opportunities for me to pick up on that hero's journey along the way because I was in this journey for so long. There had been so many like breaks. Like for example, we talk about my Saturn return, which happened after a relationship ended in 2008, 2009 for me. And that would have been a great opportunity. And there was absolutely healing, but there was still... It was like, I still kept jumping into these patterns. I still believed that the access point to love and connection and security and satisfaction was through having a a perfect body. And of course, perfect how I defined it in my mind. And part of this was really understanding that what I was after the whole time was security and connection and affection and love and belonging and so many things that were a part of this early attachment injury. And not because I didn't have amazing parents because I did, but it was, I think a lot of people can relate to this is I was loved in all of the ways that I didn't need to be loved and just didn't actually get my needs met in the ways that I needed, even though my parents absolutely showed up um, because I was a very hyperactive, very sensitive child. 
And I just wasn't understood in my family. I wasn't understood in my peer group and at school. So I think for me, the hero's journey is interesting because it was like, I developed, I know I developed body dysmorphia as an incredible strategy and tool. It was like a template that I could apply to kind of belonging and fitting in. And this template showed up for me. And I think a lot of women will relate to this because it showed up for me because through neuroception, I'm taking in like all of this information of the world around me, all of these messages. And we learn, like, what do we learn? Well, we learn that, you know, women are invited and, and desired and belong when they look a certain way and have a certain body shape and all of these things. So it's like, I had this access point already created in my mind through all of these messages and living in the world we live in. I was like, I know exactly who I have to be in order to belong. And it's, it's thin and it's beautiful and it's perfect. And it's all these things. And if I can just achieve these things and I'll get that belonging and connection that I never had when I was young, because I was so different and so hyper and so sensitive and just had these really unique needs. So it's like, I, I had this like attachment injury that I didn't understand, So I just plopped in this body dysmorphia, this template. And for a long time, it worked. It worked because I, I would sort of, you know, had all of these, you know, compulsions and things I would do to look a certain way. And I was obsessed with, you know, doing my hair a certain way and dressing a certain way and covering up and camouflaging all these parts of my body. I didn't want people to see and was like obsessed with fitness. And like you said, on your journey, obsessed with all these things. And it, and it worked for a certain point until it didn't. So it was like from my hero's journey, it was like kind of really having the opportunity to actually learn this thing over and over again. I kept getting placed in opportunities where, you know, life would just take things away from me so that it would be a mirror right in front of me. I would, I had losses and I had a massive academic failure. I failed out of university, which I was so ashamed of because I wasn't going to class because I was locked in my room because I was afraid of people seeing me because my body dysmorphia was so brutal. And that created an enormous strain in my family. So that could have been an opportunity, but yet still, I still kept going with these access points of like, if I can just achieve this perfection, I'll get everything I want and I'll get everything I want relationally. I'll get everything I want out of a, a career. Like if I can just be good enough. So it really came to a head in 2014 when I had that injury and had a, an incredibly dramatic and embarrassing breakup. And, you know, it took a while to heal from that, but it really was this, this moment, this catalyst moment where I was like, okay, enough's enough because this is the rock bottom of the rock bottom of the rock bottom of the rock. And I'd been here before I'd been at rock bottom so many times before. So it was at that point where I was like, okay, like something's got to give here. And actually in speaking with friends now, looking back, even though it was a tough time for the people that supported me, I will reflect that that was the best thing that ever happened to me like my back injury and that breakup and bless that family and bless those people. Because even though, of course, I, I don't speak with any of them now, and I lost a great friend out of it as well, not just my partner at the time, but um, a dear friend who was connected with his family. And, but I know that was the best thing that ever happened to me. So, because it changed my life because that rock bottom, I was like, okay, what's actually going on here. And that's when I really discovered this is an attachment injury. I am seeking belonging and connection and security in a way where, you know, I, I guess I just wasn't really, even though I knew I hadn't really fully embodied it. And I started really looking at, okay, I'm going to stop trying to be good enough. I'm going to stop trying to be beautiful. I'm going to stop trying to just perform. And I'm just going to actually focus on what do I need from within me to secure that sense of belonging and connection and connection supported by life and spirituality, because I'd been on a spiritual journey the whole time as well. Like I'd been, by that point, I had logged thousands of hours in, in therapy and personal development and courses and certifications. And that's the other thing too, is along this, along this route of these 20 years of being in this journey, I was learning and growing and pushing and striving and trying to heal this. So I had like been through every different modality and tried everything, but it was really at that point when I had that that sort of catalyst when I was like, okay, how does this all come together? And how do I actually figure my way out of this? And it happened so quickly because I had all of those resources and I had all of the information. Something just had to click in place and then everything changed. I was like, oh yeah, light, I'm going to align with life and not society. I'm going to let life support me. I'm just going to show up and be fully me. I'm going to totally take this mask off. I'm just going to really focus on belonging in my family, repairing with my parents, repairing with my friendships, you know, growing, learning, and just really being truly authentically me. And 
everything changed really. Like it was just boom, 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 boom. I, I met my now husband. I developed all these new friendships. I grew a, a new career. I just like, and I had been doing so much of this work, like I said, the whole time, but something just shifted when I really started focusing on, I have to understand this is a belonging injury. This is an attachment injury. And this is like, what actually do we have to do to, to get under this and not even, it wasn't even about self-love or body image. It was about really going back to the beginning. So I know that's long-winded, but it was a 20 year journey trying to recap that in, in five minutes is hard, but you know, I think one of the things I will say before I kind of shift it back to you is that I think what can be hard for a lot of women is that even this idea that it's going to be just like, Oh, this one thing happens. And then I have this change and then it all comes together. Sometimes it is a complex multi-year journey and all of these layers. And sometimes when we're in it, we're like, you know, it feels so overwhelming and complex, but what's so beautiful is that when you get to the other side, I know there's no here nor there. So this is a metaphor, but when you get to the other side of it, you're just like, oh, I see how all of these complexities, all of these pieces now are fitting together. And I can see the whole picture of why this happened and why this happened in this piece and this piece and this piece and how it all comes together. And sometimes for so many of us, the clients that I work with are typically my age or a little older because there are those of us who are just a little bit of a late bloomer, just later on that path and all of these pieces having to come together before we can really be like, okay, now I've got this. Now I know how to actually transition through this and move to the other side. Wow. I love the way you worded everything. And I find it ties in so beautifully with your North star that you shared with me at the beginning of this is really like being able to look back and see that everything was always already available to me. Sometimes it doesn't look or feel the way we want it to look and feel, but it's like, there's always that unconditional support that's supporting you to the next version and the next layer and the next idea of what the most optimal love filled version of you is. And I just find that so magical that you've come full circle. And I'm wondering, like, what are some of those very specific tools? This is probably stuff that you teach Mm -hmm. within your coaching, but what Mm -hmm. are some of the tools that you feel you've had to learn as second nature within the Mm -hmm. last couple of years of your life to really support you with this consistency that I've been so Mm -hmm. happy to witness you and like it's been so beautiful you're such a badass like you're killing this episode like like your journey is so amazing and it truly is such a beautiful gift that's come full circle I think you're 41 years old and like you're just such a like you're a star right (laughs) just feel like that's your energy so I'm wondering how do you remain consistent even We've all been there. You join a program, you gain so much momentum, and as soon as the program is over, you lose all of it. Or you're working with a one-on-one coach and have so much fast and epic progress, but when you let the coach go, you find yourself a little lost and demotivated again. That isn't because you're broken or because the course that you did didn't work or the coach that you worked with wasn't good enough. It's just proof that things like connection, mentorship, and support are something that is meant to be a constant in our lives. We are always going to be growing. We are always going to be unfolding into the next best version of ourselves. And humans are social beings. We need help. We need reflection. We need co-regulation from like-minded and trusted individuals. And that's why I created Ritual. Ritual is a monthly membership where you can receive the consistent connection and support that you need in the form of group coaching calls, community practices, and community connection. When you join the monthly membership, you not only gain access to these incredible monthly experiences, but you also gain access to over 50 pre-recorded teachings and practices in the form of audio, video, and worksheets, and this inventory is ever-growing. I don't believe that connection and consistent support has to cost anyone thousands of dollars a month. And that's why Ritual is the most affordable offer I have, because connection and community is your goddess-given right. If you're ready to receive the level of love and support that you deserve, go check out the link in the show notes or reach out to me on Instagram at JessEmbodied. Love you. you're going through these ups and downs that we mm-hmm. hear about and you move through like you move through them like such a badass and such mm-hmm. a goddess coming back to that will I'm really mm-hmm. wondering how people can can start 
creating that for themselves in certain ways. Yeah. And I will say like the one thing that has been consistent throughout all of this was, and luck, I was so lucky to have had, you know, a beautifully complex partner in my twenties. Um, and, uh, and he really had me, um, as a part of our relationship, had me getting into this idea of morning work and, you know, that has been something that I've done the whole time. And so, you know, we all know about a morning routine, we all kind of get it, but really getting into this was the sort of the nitty gritty of it was from the beginning, it was like anchoring in who I'm trying to be and who I actually am at the beginning of the day, really getting anchored and getting focused on, you know, that version of me, there's me, there's me from my essence, from my heart and connected to love. And then there are sort of all of the things that I can experience throughout the day. There's what's going on with my nervous system. There's what's going on with, you know, these stories and beliefs and all these things. And, you know, being able to separate myself from all of those things and anchoring to that first thing in the morning, I've actually had a morning routine that has shifted and changed over the years, but that morning routine, I've started that in 2003. And that has been consistent the whole way. And like I said, it's, it's transitioned a lot. It used to be forgiveness work. It used to be a lot of prayer. It changed for a while. It became yoga. I mean, it's, it's gone through these, these things, but I think one of the biggest pieces is having that anchoring process of connecting to who you are and, and being able to have these emotional processing skills that you can do in the morning that separate you from the stories of the conditioned mind, from the experiences that you're having, from the shame that you feel like being able to see that separation, that you're having an experience and your mind is doing all of this stuff, but you at your essence, you are your heart, you are connected to life. You are a spiritual being in this human body, in this vessel. And so that's been one of the biggest tools the the whole way through, even though it has changed and, you know, so much over the years, just that consistency of that morning practice. And that's one of the things, you know, I think for a long time, I kept thinking, okay, well, I'm doing this to fix my body dysmorphia so that I'm fixed. And then I don't have to do it anymore. And over the years, what I've realized is that's not the thing. This is a lifestyle of being in relationship with myself. And so part of this healing and the reason why I feel like I'm thriving in my life today is because I've embraced that there's no sort of point of fixing this. It is embodying the version of me that I want to be and being in that loving, compassionate relationship with myself every day. So it's an everyday thing. It never goes away. And I know people hear this all the time, but I just really want to anchor that in because it's so simple, but it's so profound is like really being in that lifestyle of the work. And on that note of being able to really separate, one of the things I have so many of my clients do is really get into that separation so much of like the layers of our humanity. Like you are the essence, you are the heart, you are here. And then you have your nervous system and your emotional body and your cognitive mind and your ego structure and all of these parts that are designed to protect this vessel. So this vessel can stay alive and survive. So it's like when we can be in relationship with those parts rather than see those as just like, take them for granted, like, oh, I am my ego. I am my ego structure. But when we create that distance and we can be in relationship with those parts. So the parts work is a big part of it too. Um, but I guess for, for so much of it is really just anchoring in, in the morning, having a morning routine and being in that work of, of, you know, creating a healing environment for your life, the healing work, the deeper shadow work, the deeper work is so important too. But there's a big distinction between when we talk about healing, which creating that healing environment, these are all the little tasks and little practices and protocols and tools that we have that we set up as a lifestyle, as an environment around us. And then, so that's like sort of the healing environment. And those are still tasks and thing we, things we do, but that's the lifestyle part. But then we also have the deeper healing, the shadow work, the, the, all of this stuff that, that we can plan and prepare for and work with practitioners and coaches and therapists and, and do that deeper work. But it is so much more about that healing environment first and that healing environment of our lives. Because I think for me, that's been the biggest game changer. And I will say, I still get messages from my body fairly consistently. Like if I'm not sort of, or if I'm not in my alignment or I, if I'm struggling with something, I'll get a message from my system. My body will be like, you're ugly. And I'll be like, oh, my system is communicating to me. I am not going to immediately think, oh, I'm ugly anymore. I'm like, oh, my body needs something. My system is communicating. This is language that my ego structure uses to communicate to me. So let's tap in what's actually going on. And I'll usually be able to immediately figure out there is a place where I'm not feeling connected. There's a place where I'm not feeling I belong. There's somewhere where I'm not feeling safe. And then when I actually get into those layers, I'm like, here's what's actually happening. 
because my body loves to communicate with that language and we all have it. So it's like, I've seen this across so many clients. A lot of my clients, it'll be like, I'm, I'm fat or I'm too much. I'm ugly. I'm not enough. Um, you know, whatever, whatever it is, right. We all have our sort of buzz go-to word. And if we can separate from that, and if we can do that work every morning to connect to our essence, then when things come up throughout the day, immediately we're like, oh, my body is talking to me. Okay. Using that language again, fair enough, but what's actually going on. So that's been one of the biggest tools is just not believing the BS of my conditioned mind. And we could talk about the conditioning and mind all day, all day long, but really realizing that so much of what I think and believe about myself is a product of this world that I've grown up in that just wants me to buy things really just wants me to buy things. So much of this like diet culture and fitness industry and all of it is just prepping me to spend money on things. So it's like all of these beliefs I have about my body and this world that created all of these stories within me, like none of that is the essence of me. I love that. There's a message that I'm getting from what you're sharing. And it's like, we need to learn how to be in relationship with our inner toddler again. Yep. Because it's like, for example, if you're a toddler and I have twins, so I see this yeah. all the time. Like if I'm in the kitchen with my daughters and one of my daughters just screaming at the top of her lungs, one, she's not using words. Like I, yeah. if I were to just focus on her grammar, I wouldn't actually know what she's doing, but I'm able to mentalize and say, okay, like she's screaming because she's defending her space right now. She yeah. has a toy in her hand and she's defending her space because she wants that toy. So if I step in as a mom and I say, Kira, shut up, like stop screaming at the top of her lungs, she's going to have a, an unfinished emotional loop. And she's going to learn yeah. when I scream, mom gets mad when I, AKA, when I defend myself, mom gets mad. Yeah. And therefore for the rest of her life, she would grow up not being able to defend herself. So when she's older and she tries to defend herself, there comes in, whether that's body dysmorphia or not yeah. liking herself or self-shame or thinking like, oh, my ego is trying to do this thing. But it's like learning like, oh, when I scream, it's just because there's yeah. this version of me who really needed to actually yell in that moment yeah. to be able to defend myself. So it's like now we're adults and none of us from our generation or your generation, it's very rare that our parents were emotionally aware. So we're yeah. needing to learn how to decipher our inner toddler's way of expressing itself. Yeah. And a exactly. lot of it is done through the body. Like, okay, I'm feeling X way. Do I listen to the story that was created when that emotion happened? Yeah. Or do I listen to the emotion and what the emotion actually needs? And how do yeah. I address that and actually be in relation with, relationship with that every single yeah. day? And I just 100%. think that's that's so powerful. Yeah, you've nailed it. And that's exactly what I do in my coaching practice and what I help clients with. And it's just also, that's just what I, the relationship that I'm in with myself. Because, you know, what's amazing too in all of this, this is really healing the mother wound because I'm able to now reflect back on like what you just described is that, you know, if I take that template and I put it into my own life, that's what I would have needed from my mother when I was being incredibly energetic or too much or too sensitive. I needed to be able to be different. I needed to be able to be big and weird and different. Um, and through absolutely no fault of my mother because of all of her own stuff that she, that was going on and some, some really big challenges that she was dealing with at the time, she just didn't have, she didn't have those tools at the time. Like I was born in 81, those, that just wasn't around like some of that, those parenting styles. So it was like really looking back at that and realizing, okay, well, that's what I needed. I didn't get it. And really being able to heal that mother wound and heal in relationship with my mother and our relationship was strained, by the way, added layer of this biodysmorphia journey. It was such a strained and challenging relationship, such a huge mother wound there. And we've healed so much of that because I'm able to look back at that now and be like, okay, well, that just didn't happen. And I'm able to see her story and I'm able to understand why that couldn't have happened and why, um, you know, seeing through the generations of, of how it all got to the point where it was sort of up to me, this incredible opportunity for me to say it stops here and do this healing. And that's exactly, you know, as you just described it, um, the healing that I do with clients in session and what I, what I really had to go through for myself was seeing this, like I said, biodysmorphia as a template, because, 
you know, if you look perfect, you're always invited. You're never the outcast. You're never like, and this is my mind, it's the stories I had, right? Like if I look perfect and everyone wants me, then I will never be excluded. I'll never be uninvited. I'll never be sort of like cast aside or considered too much or too different. I'll fit right in and I'll be safe because I'll look perfect. And I think part of that was really healing that, that mother wound and healing some of those inner child wounding. So a big part of it, yeah, is really just understanding how to give ourselves that which we didn't get and going into some of those early, early attachment things. And, you know, when we talk about self-love and body image, I think too, from you as a relationship coach, I mean, this is one of the most interesting things because I brought so much of this into relationships and so many of the fights that I had in relationships and so many of the communication issues and, and just cheating and difficult. I mean, I've been through it all in relationships, but I look back now and I'm like, it, it started with me. It started with coming into these relationships and coming from this place where I wasn't stable. I, I had all of this going on underneath the surface and then trying to have these healthy, flowing, conscious relationships and spent so much time working on the relationship, but not on me, right? Like so much time being like, how do I fix this relationship? But instead of turning it on me and going, oh, well, am I a safe space to land for this partner? Like am, how much do I actually feel connected to myself and love myself? And how much am I actually present with my energy and in my nervous system? Like how much am I right here? But I wasn't, I was so checked out, so obsessed that it was like, I would look at all of these like fights and challenges and difficulties. And I have to reflect back now and go, huh, it's so interesting because once I was able to show up fully as me, fully present, fully sovereign, just I'm right here and I've got me. And I'm ready for someone else that's got them so we can build together. But fundamentally, I've got me. I attracted into my life a relationship that was just beyond my wildest dreams or not even I actually I would say well with it, like right on track with the desires of my heart that had always been there. I shouldn't say beyond my okay, wildest dreams. Okay, so I really want to jump in and say so on track yeah. that you have a perfectly written out sheet. Like how how many years ago did you write out this paper? In 2009, I might actually just, I'm just going to, I'm going to show it. Okay. So in 2009, Robin wrote out this paper of her dream partner and I'm really, really good friends with both her and her partner. And it is to a T exactly the man that she yeah. has in her life. To this yeah. And what's funny, so this is inside. So at the time I was doing, you can see I've got all my little tabs here. So I was working with my body dysmorphia and every, anyone that struggles with body dysmorphia has likely read or heard about this book. It is a, an amazing resource. It is, I think I would say the go-to resource. And it, I think it's still- For, would, for would those be. of you listening, uh, she's showing a book called The Broken Mirror. The Broken Mirror. It's a great basic. It's just the, the fundamentals are all here. Um, and so I wrote out, I was like, and I had this moment with God where I was like, okay, God. And this was after breakup with my partner that I was with in my twenties. And this was a, an incredibly pivotal relationship with, for me, um, the first sort of real one. And my Saturn return was the breakup and the healing of this relationship. And so after things fell apart, I remember saying, okay, God, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to work on me. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to try to pull this together and really figure this out. And of course there were still another hundred ups and downs after that point. But I remember saying to God, I'm going to focus on what I need to focus on, but I'm going to trust that when, and if I do, I'm going to be a match for this. I'm going to trust that my job, what you need of me is to heal me so that this can come into my life. And I remember like sitting there with God, almost like this bargaining. I remember praying in my, in my house and being like, okay, I I'm going to commit. And I wrote out on this piece of paper, all of the things that I was looking for. Um, so tangible life circumstances in bold. <laughs> tangible life circumstances. It's the title of this section, but yeah. And I also, and I think people will get a kick out of this. I also included the, this picture at the time I had very dark hair. I just assumed my partner would have dark hair too. Funny enough. We're both blonde now. Um, but then I, yeah, it's the look- exact picture of the two of you except you both have blonde hair blonde hair yeah and I actually wrote it was so funny I think a lot of people get a kick out of this is I didn't want the universe to get confused on the height difference I wanted to make sure the universe knew this was the height difference when I was wearing heels so I actually wrote on the piece of paper when I'm wearing heels so that the universe wouldn't get confused and would make sure that we got the right height difference and which we do have my my partner is six feet tall um so it's it's funny how you know it all came together because that that was one of the pivotal moments and that I will say along the hero's journey that shifted a lot because the relationships I got into after that were much closer to 
um, healthy. <laughs> the relationship I had in my twenties was very challenging, but I know that partner as well believes that attracting in and calling in someone like me gave him an opportunity to heal so many of the things that he was healing and that he, I know we've spoken about this afterwards. We didn't speak for nine years and then we had a chance to connect again about it. But I know he told me like, I think that was actually the best thing that ever happened to me because I wouldn't have been able to heal a lot of these things I was in. If you weren't also struggling so deeply with these things, if you had been in a healthy place, it wouldn't have, it was a generous trigger. I'll quote Alanis Morissette to say that, but it was a generous trigger. Um, yeah, I love, I love me some Alanis. So um, but yeah, so it, it really, I think part of it is like, just in terms of for your listeners who are here and, you know, of course are interested in, you know, relationships, I think the body image piece in the relationship is so important to, to understand and talk about because so much of like the work is we think we want to work on our relationship. And that's what I did for so long. I was like, well, how does the relationship need work? And then it was really turning that flash on and going, the relationship comes when I show up like sovereign as fuck. <laughs> like ready. Like I know everyone says like, you don't have to be ready, but there's a level of readiness, which is like self-connection and sovereignty and awareness of who I am. And even when, when I met Guillaume, it was, we weren't, you know, I wasn't in a place where I had really figured out my business or I'd figured all of these things, these life things out. There were still so many questions, but there was a foundational base of I've got me. I know me, I've got me. Yeah. And one of the things a lot of people that, that know us know is that we've had at this point now, and we just celebrated our five-year anniversary three days ago. And at this point now, we've had three fights. And for those three fights to happen, they were softcore. They, they were not lasting long. And for those things to happen, there was like all these crazy extreme circumstances that had to happen just for us to get to the point. So we've fought three times in five years because we just were able to show up and just be like, okay, here's where I'm at. This is what's going on for me. I can bring presence and connection to this conversation. I understand how to talk about myself and how to talk about my needs and be present because of this. And I'm also able, when I, on our first date, I was like, I have body dysmorphia. This is what it looks like. I need this type of attention. I'm going to take accountability for it in these ways. Boom, 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 boom. As a partner, I'm going to need someone who's able to handle boom, 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 boom. Are you interested? Right? Like I was so clear and he was like, no, it sounds fine. You, you sound super clear, aware. Like it was just things moved really quickly because I owned it. I was like, yeah, this is a part of me. You know, it is what it is. I love that. And something like I'm recognizing, I'm like, yeah, I fight all the freaking time with my partner. And like, we're, I'm 28 and you're 41. And what yeah. I'm hearing and what you're sharing is that like, it takes a certain level of awareness to have like that healthy relationship, but it took all those unhealthy times of yeah. just surrendering and speaking your voice and going through all the shit that you went through in order to realize where it was all coming from. And mm -hmm. what, I, like what I recognize all the time with my partnership is every time we do get in an argument, it's just our inner toddlers, like yeah. screaming at each other and having tantrums, yeah. not being understood by one another because we're not able to fully decipher what the other person actually mm -hmm. means or what the other person's actually needing. Yeah. So, and, and everything I'm also hearing from you is like, your attachment style is always going to be unhealthy if you're seeking for that safety and that sense of security yeah. and that sense of everything that you needed when you were younger from an external source. And the more you actually just create a secure attachment style, like you be the, the secure attachment figure you've always yeah. needed, yeah. the more you're going to actually have a healthy relationship because you're going to yeah. know what you need. You're going to know the ways that you need to be communicated with. You're going to yeah. be able to fulfill the things that you need in the moments that your partner isn't available for that for you. And there mm -hmm. won't be that like deep enmeshment and deep attachment. Yeah. Right. And that's, yeah so beautiful and so powerful and such a huge, huge testament to all the work that you've done and that all the yeah. work that you continue to do every single day, all the time. It's so I powerful. Think so. I think so. And I will say too, like, I want to make sure it's clear and that people are, aren't seeing that what I'm saying is like that the sort of goal is to never fight because it's not that it is to be, we just happen to not fight, but it is the ability to functionally discuss the dysfunction 
And sometimes in relationships with personalities, that's going to look like fighting in a loving and respectful way and then coming together for repair. Sometimes it's going to look like yelling and screaming, but then holding each other in that. Sometimes it's not. And it's there's no sort of right or wrong way, but it's about the way you fight and discourse. So it's like you guys have a really healthy relationship and you fight and that's it's functionally able to discuss the dysfunction. So I want to make sure that's clear because I wouldn't want people to think like I'm saying the only way to be in a healthy relationship is not to fight, but it's just the gift on the other side for me of so much of the healing was what I was really looking for was peace. I wanted to find the safe space to land where I could just have so much peace because that was my heart's greatest desire in relationship was like softness and peace and just the ability to feel like relaxed and held. So it, it was more of that. I wanted to make, make that distinction too, because I think that that's really, really important. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Our, mm-hmm. our fights have changed too. Like in in the past, it was like blow ups and then space and then self-realization in the space and then coming back together. And now it's like, we'll, we'll get like, we get emotional all the time. We'll, we can be in the kitchen having a conversation and then a toddler, like kids are just a whole other level. They'll come yeah. and they'll scream and then we'll get like slightly on edge. And then our partner will say something slightly on edge. And then we'll like, our edge will just turn into a freaking volcano. <laughs> yeah. And next thing we know we're, we're pissed and, and our arguments have changed to, to levels of new awareness because yeah. we've allowed ourselves to go there. So we're now we're able to either say like, okay, like I'm so triggered that I actually need space. I need a break, or I'm so triggered that I need you to just stand there and hear me scream to the top of my lungs. There's like yep. this <laughs> conscious somatic healing where my partner's like, okay, yeah. like go for it, babe. And I'm just like, ah, like yeah. screaming my lungs out in the kitchen, like really letting out my anger. Um, so it's like, yeah, fighting is, can be healthy and anger can be welcome and and tears caused by your partner can be powerful. And like, like the emotion is just so healthy. We're all just toddlers learning to have tantrums (laughs) again and and do it in a safe space. Right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I, I think that's part of it too. Like, you know, in relationship, like we can get into a relationship at any point. If we have those fundamentals, we can grow together. We can learn all this together. We can do it alone. There's no like right ways with a lot of clients I work with are working more on that healing journey of self prior to like a lot of my clients is like, I want that relationship. And I'm, for some reason, I'm not able to call it in or it's not coming or I don't understand why. And so it's really about working on that on that self first. But I always say it's not about necessarily being ready, but it's being in a place where you can have that sort of that level of foundational awareness of like, I've got me. And the other thing you said that's interesting too, and, and I think is really cool is that like in relationships is like, we don't, we don't a hundred percent meet our own needs and we can't like, we're, a, we're, we're relational beings, but it's absolutely about like being able to say like that co-regulation versus codependency. Like I understand what my needs are and I know it's okay to have needs and to, to like, to be needy essentially is like not this like big bad word but it's it's okay to have that but it's like that sovereign sense of like who I am what my needs are and that for the most part I can auto-regulate and take care of me and then I'm able to look to my partner to help me co-regulate and that's something that I'm I'm still working on I still that codependency is something that still kind of tries to creep up and we work on that all the time and we've noticed that a little bit more recently but it's so much different from so different from the past relationships where they were just like, it was like the textbook codependent, you know, savior versus like broken victim kind of thing that I just, I fed off that chaos. I fed off that codependency and I, I fed off that external validation so much that like being chosen by these, like what I considered at the time, like high profile, like awesome, you know, partners. And then like, oh, I'm so DJs. And yeah. Like, yeah, I know how many, <laughs> there's a, there's a comedian that talks about like, you're dating it, like something about in your twenties. I can't remember her name, but it's such a funny bit where she talks about like, you know, I was just something about, I, I dated oh, a DJ Tom- again. Tomlinson. Taylor Thomas, she's like, yeah. DJ, DJ again. And I ha- I was like, oh my gosh, I just had to face palms so hard. I was like, yeah, yeah, sometimes we do. You know, it's like my primary thing I looked for in past relationship was, are you a musician? Like, you know, so, you know, you start to look for different things as you get older too, as you get more connected to your needs. But I think like the, I often talk about this with clients where like the body image and the self-love piece is such a big part of it because we have to understand first why in our society, 
our body image affects us so much and why for so many women, we fall into this trap, which has a big thing to do with conditioning in the world we live in. And then we have to also, the second piece is like, well, how, and why does this show up in my relationship and in my communication? And when we can get clear, when we can see that, when we can map it, that's where we take our power back. Or as I like to say, remember our power because we never lost it. But when we can remember our power in those moments and get so connected to ourselves and have so much self-connection, it almost like eliminates so much of the tension that will show up in relationships or so much of the resistance that we can have for those relationships coming in, which is, I think for me that the journey, I look back now and I'm so grateful for that 20 year battle with self. Like I don't, I don't feel ashamed of it anymore. I'm like, yeah. And I even, you know, talking to a recent client where she was saying like, oh, you met your husband at 36. I was like, yeah, 36. And I remember at 23 being ready to meet my husband and being like, oh gosh, like it's, you know, it, it looking back now, it's, it's, a little overwhelming that it took so long, or it's like, what a beautiful journey, what a perfect education and beautiful journey for really deciding to be in a body, making peace with being the spiritual being in a body and embracing that and really learning how to be in a body and how we work and all of these things. I think that's so important for women who are trying to actively get so clear and so specific that 2009 girl writing her paper like getting so clear as to who her partner is and sometimes it's like yes we can do the work and manifest the thing and visualize and like get our nervous system used to feeling love that we wanted to feel but it's like in the end it's all timing and karma is gonna decide when is the time for you to be with the partner that you're meant to have that mm-hmm. divine connection with. And mm-hmm. um, it's all about patience and loving yourself and coming back to yourself all the time. And yeah. um, it's all in those triggers that you're sharing. Like the way yeah. body dysmorphia showed up in my relationship is like, my if my partner would for a second look at another person, I would be like, yeah. why are you looking at her? What are you doing? It's all your fault. You're a player. You're a fuck boy. Like there'd be all the like all this projection energy. And the next mm-hmm. thing we knew, he would be totally pushed away. I would yeah. feel completely misunderstood. And there was right. extreme pain in the relationship. And it was all because I was seeking for this external source of love. Yeah. But those moments taught me, ouch, there's a hole here how do I fill it? I have to fill it myself. Like he's not my dad. He's not my mom. Like he's like, I can't put that energy on that person to give me the unconditional love. Like you will never find a partner who will unconditionally love you. Like there's always going to be conditions like, and And there should be, and that's close. (laughs) And it is okay. It's close. Like every single time I'm like, man, my partner would not love me for this. He's like, I love you for that. And it's okay. Like, I I still love you, but it's like the true unconditional love that we have available as soul, which is just what we're made out of is only available when we give it to ourselves and when we connect to it within. Yeah. And I think that piece is just so, so important. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about the tools, like that's such a big tool that I've learned over the years. I teach my clients too, is like the present moment is all that is. We are connected to eternal support. We are connected to a million possibilities. All of our desires of our heart are already, they already exist. That's why we long for them. They exist in this quantum field. When we can come back, like if I'm going, if I'm following the story of my conditioned mind, I'm like, oh, I'm ugly. I'm fat, whatever. I'm not lovable. But if I come back to the present moment, I'm like, okay, well, what's actually going on in my body? What am I actually feeling? I can like feel into the support of the seat beneath me or the ground beneath me. I connect to the earth. I connect to these, this like, you know, spiritual realm. I connect to my heart. Well, all of a sudden right now I'm back here. I'm connected. And I'm like, okay, I'm present. I've got this. And so it's like really being able to come back to that. In And I come back to the present moment. It's like every moment, this moment, this moment. And part of this is like when I was talking about earlier, being in that, in that sort of vibrational frequency for so long, I was trying to like get rid of or fix all of these triggers or fix all of these things that would come up for me. And in my relationship, it was just like constantly silently obsessing about how the past partners of my relationship, of the people I was dating looked a certain way. And I didn't look that way. And they'd be like, well, I like the way you look. I like the way they look. What's the problem? You know? So I remember, you know, being triggered all the time on that. I remember being just constantly terrified that someone was going to leave me, that I wasn't good enough. 
And in those moments of those triggers, I realize it's not about fixing those things. It's not about like making those things go away, but it's about understanding those stories and being able to come back to this present moment and connect to who I am. Once I started letting myself actually feel and process and move through what those triggers were trying to tell me, I was actually able to start really connecting to those desires of my heart and connecting to those possibilities and moving that resistance out of the way. So it's a lifestyle thing. It's being in relationship with those triggers because the relationship that I have with my shame is one of compassion, love, and acceptance. Well, my vibrational frequency is now through the roof when I'm like compassion, love, acceptance, holding the shame, holding the sadness, holding the grief, and letting myself be in relationship with all those things. It changes the game. So all of a sudden, what was this, you know, these body dysmorphia triggers that over the years have softened a bit, but even when these triggers come up right away, it's compassion, love, I've got me. How could I come back to the present moment? Life's got me. Where, why is my conditioning telling me this? You know, this is a story of the conditioned mind. Where did I learn this? You know, how old is the part of me that believes this? And really being in that, in that relationship. And I think that's why in this current relationship, even if there is a trigger, I'm just able to move through it. And my partner is right there with me. And, you know, one of the things you know, I'll talk about openly is my partner is 12 years younger than me. And so, and he's very handsome. And sometimes, you know, that I do feel a little bit of a, of a trigger, but I feel like I know this person's soul has chosen my soul. I know I'm safe here. I know I'm held here. So it's so much easier to, to move through anything like that that comes up because I'm able to be connected to that present moment again and again. And that's the work. And that's what I do with clients is like, come back to the present moment, move through those triggers, emotional processing skills. It's like somatic work, but it's forward focused. Cause it's like, how can we move forward and be with ourselves? And the more we do this over time, well, all of a sudden we're just moving forward, we're moving forward. And then you look around and your life's totally different, but it's 1% at a time. Robin, I'm so beyond grateful that we had this conversation and the direction that it went into. <laughs> like, this is just so important the way it links to all these different areas in life. Mm -hmm. And I just love what you're helping people do. I find it mm -hmm. really is the core foundation of yep. <laughs> everything that we need. So using that word, I'd love to hear, like, how can people work with you? How can people connect to you after listening to this episode? Yeah, awesome. Um, well, I have a four-month one-on-one um, signature coaching program that is called The Foundation. And it is, yeah. Jazz <laughs> hands. Um, yeah. And so essentially this is where we go right back to that foundation of, you know, who we are and who we be and tending to those deepest roots from a forward focused perspective. So I work with women and it's predominantly like when we think of like self-love coaching, it's life coaching, it's somatic work kind of pulls from all of these different things. And so, you know, it's the foundation of who we are and that confidence that we need to have. So the women that come to me that work with me, there is usually a self-love and a body image flavor, but this really is just a about developing that foundation and solving that right problem. We move well beyond body image. It's like, we move well beyond that. Like the relationship, like I can't call in the relationship or this isn't working that we go right into that foundation. So it's like understanding manifestation from a trauma informed lens, understanding self-connection. Essentially, this is the journey from disconnection to self-connection and that solid foundation so that, that it trickles into everything. So then it's like entrepreneurship, the relationship, the dream life, the fuck yes life, all of these things are that next step that come after we have these like stable, stable foundations of who we are. So that's what I do. I am currently enrolling. I've, I've had a beautiful arc of clients I've taken through this program. So now I am open for new one-on-one -on -one clients coming in and it's, it's an amazing journey. It's a four month journey. And from there, it's like, that's the foundation from which you soar. So yeah. I love it, Robin. Thank you so much. And we'll include all the links on how to actually connect with her in the show notes and Yay. Thank you so much for being on the show. I definitely want to have you again because I feel like there's so much more depth available yeah. in your journey and, uh, or even just conditioning. I'd love to come back and we can talk a little bit more about, um, from that, like sort of perspective of like, you know, fitness industry conditioning from that yes. side of it. Cause there's so much to dive into on that side too. Um, but the healing piece is also really exciting. I'm glad we talked about that today as well. Beautiful. Awesome, Robin. Well, I love you so much. And uh, thank you, listeners. Have a beautiful day. Bye. If there is one main takeaway for me for this episode, it's the reminder that we can heal as much as we want from the inside 
out and that is always going to be the greatest impact and our relationship with our partner, our relationship with our business, our relationship with our body, all the triggers and pains that we experience within these relationships are direct lights. They are direct indicators as to where we are experiencing pain within ourselves. And I am a strong believer in the fact that you cannot heal relational trauma outside of a relationship. And I'm also a strong believer in the fact that we are in relationship with everything. We are in relationship with everything we can even see or touch or experience in this life. And it is our relationships that heal us the most because they are the greatest reflectors as to how we are in relationship with ourselves. And I truly believe that things like co-regulation, having support, having mentorship, having a community are things that we are meant to have all the time. Humans are social beings. We need this source of external support to help us in reminding us about who the hell we truly are. And that is why I created Ritual which is our beautiful monthly membership where you have consistent support, consistent community, and coaching. And I would just love, love to welcome you into this container because our group coaching calls are so powerful, so profound, so deep. There's an epic mastermind energy about them. And then we also do monthly morning rituals as well where sometimes we're connecting to our pussy power, our sexual energy, or our hearts, or our throats. We're really doing embodiment practices to help help us fully liberate who we are and help us step into the person that we desire to be, which I believe is just ourselves. This spiritual journey is us just trying to be ourselves, our unique individual self in this reality. And I don't believe that society has been set up for that. So I truly believe that it's so important to find like-minded community that helps you and creates a space that facilitates this container where you can be whatever the fuck you want to be. So Check out the link in the show notes if you want to connect to me or Robin. Look in the show notes for the link to Ritual. I am sending you so much love. Have a beautiful rest of your week. 